Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza, right here on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and each week this show will bring on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases entertain, while bringing answers and options to making our lives happier, healthier, and more successful. Answers for the Family will address many ways of creating greater health, joy, and blessings for you and your family. We will introduce you to top professionals and talented authors who are working to make this world a better place for all of us. Now, I would really appreciate it if you would all do me a favor. Please forward at least one of our shows to your social media group or to someone you know that can benefit from today's subject. This is one powerful way we together can make a positive difference in the world. Now, before I get to our guests, I have a special thank you to all of you that take your precious time to listen to this show, and especially those that send in questions, comments, and suggestions. Now, please remember, this show exists for you. Now, with that in mind, if there was ever a time in recent years that we needed to focus on gratitude, this is the time. And my son and I wrote the Attitude of Gratitude Journal, something that at the time was geared towards teens going through some changes in their life. Well, we are all going through changes in our lives now. So please go to our website at AnswersForTheFamily.com and download a free copy. It is our gift to you. Now, all I ask is that you subscribe, which is for free. We don't do a bunch of stuff. Uh, Give it 21 days and then comment afterwards on whatever platform you listen to us on. Tell us what it meant to you and your family to go through 21 days of focusing on your gratitude. Now, um, one of the things that's in it, one of the many quotes that's in there, I have quotes by a a lot of people uh, who speak quite well on that subject, one of which happens to be mine, which is happiness is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of the ability to deal with them. And that's what we want in regards to us now. We're all having to deal with things we haven't dealt with before. So if you approach gratitude, I think that it's going to help in every way. Now, our, um, our topic today, well, actually, before I get into our topic, I want to share a little bit of information. In 2017 and 2018, brought us a whirlwind of news coverage on sexual harassment and abuse with primarily powerful men from Hollywood to Washington, D.C., falling because of sexual misconduct. And what was rarely discussed was most of these men were married. Few people paid attention to the other group of women that were negatively impacted by the fallout. That's the spouses of the men who engaged in inappropriate or criminal sexual behavior. To these women, that sexual harassment or abuse, it also meant infidelity to them. So our topic today and the title of our guest's new book is Manscript, Surviving and Thriving After Infidelity. Now, before we lose half our audience, it's not a man bashing book. Instead, the aim is to help those who have been cheated on learn how to feel empowered rather than weakened by their experience. So uh, joining us uh, is one of the authors, which is Julia Keyes. Julia's background is in nursing counseling, and psychotherapy, specializing in relationships, mental health issues, and eating disorders. Julia was a school counselor for five years, helping 11 to 18-year-old girls, many of which had problems related to their parents' relationship issues. Julia is skilled in safeguarding children and vulnerable adults. She lives lived most of her life, or her married life anyway, to television presenter Richard Keyes in the public eye, and has had to deal with many personal crises in the gaze of newspapers and media. She knows all too well how hard it can be to present yourself externally to the world one way while struggling internally. She also knows how frightening and lonely it can feel when you've been betrayed. Now, her writing partner, Jackie Coles, is a registered nurse, midwife, and health advisor. 
She has extensive experience in patient safety. She has acted as an advocate for people when things have gone wrong during a patient's care. Many of those people did not know who to trust, which often resulted in high levels of stress, leading to serious health issues, and crippling low self-esteem. And together, Julia and Jackie work to help people with relationships and trust issues with an aim to always enable people to move, to move their lives forward in a very positive way. Julia, welcome to Answers for the Family. Thank you very much, Alan. It's really good to be on the show. Thank you. Well, let's, you know, well, first of all, share with us because um, Jackie was going to be with us but share a little bit as to why she couldn't be here, because I think it's something that all of us will certainly understand. Okay, well, obviously, we're all struggling right now with the COVID-19, with the coronavirus. And Jackie, being a nurse, decided that she would go back into the NHS, which is our national health system, and go on the front line to help those that were suffering with this awful, awful virus. So unfortunately, she you know she would have loved to have been part of this show, but as a result of the patients that are needing her care, unfortunately she's been kept at the hospital this evening, so she can't make it. But she sends her best wishes to everybody. Well, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to share that is, uh, and we were talking about, I, I talked a little bit about gratitude. Um, this is a time in which, those people on the front line, these are, these are doctors, these are nurses, these are pe- people working with patients that are taking some huge risks yes, you know, to, to be on the front lines. I, I was reading something recently uh, in regards to Russia, and they were saying that you know, I think it was 103 doctors have died in Russia. Um, you know, so again, from the standpoint of gratitude, I want right now for everybody to to hear, I am so thankful and grateful for the fact that we have these caring people out there that are choosing to do what they have, you know, their chosen profession, but they're choosing to help people at a time in which we really need the help. So for all of you out there that are doing that, if you're listening to this, uh, please, you have my unending gratitude. Thank you. We really do owe them an enormous amount of gratitude, Alan, because they really are putting their lives at risk. And as you've just said, so many have lost their lives as a result. But I think, and and having worked in the NHS myself, that you, when you care and the job that you do, you almost don't think about yourself because you want to help and you Mm -hmm. want to make people better and you want to give them the chance. And so you don't think about these things. But I know that there's an awful lot of fear around because a lot of these people on the front line, they have families and they have children and, and they have chosen to, to stay away from them in order not to possibly infect them. So they really have given an awful lot of themselves and um, gratitude is absolutely massive. Yeah, and, you know, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, I just mentioned the danger that they're putting themselves in health wise. But the other part that you bring up is, you know, being away from your family, you, they're making this choice that they're going to be away. Uh, and it has a domino effect because I know that, for instance, one of uh, one of our employees, his wife is a nurse. Um, he is staying home with the children because they have young children. And so you know, he has to make the decision then, you know, not to do the job that he would do with us if we're completely supportive of it um, so that he can be there with the children because there's no school. So it's not like you can say, well, I can at least work while the children are in school. So yes, there's so many different layers of how this is affecting people. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people are renegotiating, I think, their daily life in order to be able to give the best they can to the people they care and love without doubt. Without, I mean, I can just think of one situation now that um, a little girl aged eight, she hadn't seen her mum for seven weeks because she's a nurse on the front line. So her mum decided to surprise her and in full protective clothing, she, uh, she got out of the car. Obviously the, the father knew the little girl opened the door 
And at first, she just thought she was looking at a robot. She had no idea it was her mum. And when she realised it, her mum got the biggest hug in the world. It went on for like five minutes or more. And actually, just brought, oh, your heart went out to them both. It really brought tears to your eyes. It was yeah. such a lovely thing to witness. Yeah, and, and people are getting creative. Um, as you were saying that, I thought of uh, friends that live in another state, and they were talking about, uh, in fact, for them, it was a, it was a, a, a friend's children, wasn't their own children. Uh, but they were talking about how the child was crying so much because their birthday was coming up. And, you know, a young child at that age, you know, around five, when birthdays are like the most important thing in the world and how they weren't going to be able that their birthday was canceled. And so what the parents did is they created a drive by um, birthday and the cars lined up. And and so the little girl kind of came out on the porch and was wearing a mask and stuff. And they would come up and they would they would tell her wonderful things about her from their car and then and then get out and set a gift on the driveway and then pull up and then the next one would come up. Oh, how lovely is that? I know. And but I was so touched because you know the parents were they were present, they recognized the situation, uh, they didn't um, kind of get wrapped up into the negativity and the fear. They said, we're going to figure out a way to make our child as happy as we can under the situation. So. And you know, Alan, this, that, doing something like that really makes that child feel valued and that they matter. Yeah. And, you know, the key things to our mental health, no matter what age we are, is that we just want to feel loved. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to feel that we're valued and, you know, we want to feel that we matter. And, you know, I know you mentioned about our book before and, I, you know, slightly digressing, isn't it? But all throughout our book, the manuscript, we keep on saying, keep telling yourself how much you matter yeah. in a relationship, particularly if somebody else comes into it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you think, well, I clearly don't matter, you know, because if I did, he or she wouldn't have done this. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. No, 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 please, please keep going. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, so So you think to yourself, well, what's wrong with me? And before you know it, apart from the devastation and the hurt that you feel, and this isn't, as you rightly said, a man-bashing book by any stretch of the imagination, because women, you know, cheat as, as well as men do. And I'll say a little bit more about the effect on men later when that actually happens. But you suddenly feel the perception of a relationship changes because you thought that you could trust your partner. You thought maybe you knew him or her. And maybe the last thing on your mind was that somebody else was going to be part of your relationship all of a sudden. And it's a very, I've been there. So it's, I know what it feels like. And when you start, start to suspect something is changing, those feelings that it evokes, you say, you know, you said yourself you're an international detective. Well, trust me, you get to be the best detective ever. Honestly, you, you've not, all of a sudden you think, my God, I never knew that I could be this sort of investigative. You know, you're out there and you're thinking, right, I've got to find out the truth. But of course, in trying to find out the truth, you also find something different within yourself. You know, you've got to draw on some strength and it can turn you into a person that actually you never thought you knew and you never thought you'd be capable of the things that you do in order to find out. And and to be honest, some of those you don't like. Yeah. Well, in, you know, I, I mentioned in the introduction and, and I should share with with the listening audience, uh, thank you for providing the permission. Because before I I talked about your personal situation, you know, you know who you had spoken with my producer, and I said, so is this okay? You know, is this okay for us to talk about? Um, which you know, I know you, you deal with it in the book, but I still appreciate the fact that, that this is a level of vulnerability that you've chosen to share, so that you can help other people, so that you can yes. you can explain to them. You know, I'm coming from a place of having been there. And, you know, so again, it's, it is something that uh, 
some people would say, you know, are, you know, are you are you pulling up, you know, a lot of negative things every time you have to talk about the same thing over and over again. And and for some of us, we do. But at least, you know, you, when you do, you're doing it in such a way that you feel like you're you're doing it to help some other people. And, and I think that takes a lot of heart, and a lot of courage. Thank you, Alan. Well, I, I mean, the interesting thing is when Jackie and I started to write the book, the reason we, st- we, we chose that subject was because, particularly in my profession as a counsellor and psychotherapist, I had sat with so many women and some men where their lives had just fallen apart mm-hmm. that they could, barely could get the words out through tears. And they felt absolutely devastated. They thought they would never, ever be happy again. And, and this is the part of the book that is so positive that you can be happy again and you can be stronger in your own identity than you've ever been before. But I didn't know that my, in fact, I probably would say that my husband at the time wasn't probably cheating on me when we first started to write the book. And it was only maybe six to eight weeks into writing the book that I started to see some of the characteristics that we were writing about. So I, I was looking at, you know, what's going on here with the mobile phone? Why are these late night messages coming in? Why is he so protective over it? Things are, you know, slightly changing. He's staying out longer. All of these things that we were writing about in the book, I was starting to experience myself, which, of course, I was pretty in tune with. Yeah. Now, I'm a great believer, and I'm sure you are too, that the best thing you can do for a relationship is to communicate and say how you feel. Mm -hmm. So I very calmly said one night when this message came through, I don't know, near on midnight, who was that on the phone? And the explanation I was given, I knew was a lie. I knew it. I felt it, that gut feeling. So I said, look, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel really nervous about this. And therefore, would you mind proving to me that that's what you said? So completely calm, asking for verification and also to help me with my feelings, which is, which is exactly right, given the fact that you're in a relationship. Sure. And of course... What I got back was a really defensive attitude. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, was another reason for me to validate my suspicion that something was going on here. Um, And that, of course, went on over a a few weeks until finally I I did get the truth. Mm -hmm. And that was because something came through on the mobile phone, which he couldn't deny. And at that point, when you know, it's almost like the build-up to it, there's an energy about that because you're trying to find out the truth. But at the same time, a lot of the time, you get told it's all in your head Mm -hmm. and you get told things like you're going mad and what's your problem and this is all your fault, you know, all of this negativity. And because you can't get to the truth immediately, there's an element of you that questions yourself, which invariably then, of course, leads you to start to distrust yourself. And that really is a very vulnerable position to find yourself in. Yeah. And, you know, back years ago when I had worked cases similar to that, um, and what you say is, is just right on point because there were clients that would uh, start explaining what's going on. In other words, I would say, why do you suspect this? And they would start explaining all of the things. And I would say, I can save you a lot of money. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you don't need to hire me. I said, everything that you have just said, you know, is, you know, all of these signs say that, you know, it, it is like 99% it is happening. You know, what you, what you believe is happening, you are correct. And they've come back and said, yes, but I still need you to do the work and prove it because I have to prove that I'm not crazy. Yeah. 
you know, which is it's, it's such a shame that it gets to that point that they're now doing something. Not even now. It's not even about the fact of catching them. It's like I have to prove that I'm sane. Yes. Yeah. And how about what does that make you sell for the suspicions that you have were an actual fact? The suspicions you have are as a result of the behavior that you are witnessing. You see, a lot of people have said to me, I feel totally and utterly humiliated. And I said, but hang on a second. Why are you feeling humiliated? When in actual fact, the action of your partner, he's the one, she's the one who should feel humiliated because they're the ones that are broken, broken your relationship, broken the trust. Mm-hmm. What is that saying about them? Don't take it onto you and own it. Because all that will do is you'll then feel it's up to you to make it right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about the way in which you've written the book. Because in the book, it, it constantly throws it back as, you know, it's this speaks more about them than it does you. You know, quit putting everything on you. All, put, quit putting all of the pressure on you or somehow all of the responsibility on you. Uh, I think that's a great point. Um, let's talk a little bit about how this impacts the overall family and the overall health, because I think that you know what you see on television or whatever, you know, people think of just this one little area of okay, well, this happens. Next step is divorce or whatever. But talk about the family life and the overall health and how this can be so debilitating for, in some cases, a very long time. Yeah. Well, if you've got the family unit and you've got the mother, the father and the children, and it is that, it is a unit, it is a family. And together, you've got the dynamics within that family. They, They bounce off each other. They care for each other. They have their own routine. They have their own structure. But more than anything, hopefully they have love. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the, the most important thing. All of a sudden, that love is threatened. And whenever there's a threat in a relationship, um, the vulnerability that people feel creates anxiety. And when you have anxiety, you know, your mental health can start to suffer. So just in that, you can then, the children may, children are very, very clever. They're very astute. They don't necessarily, as young as they are, have to understand or understand the words, but they know the feelings. They can feel that something is wrong. And that, if not handled correctly, can be detrimental. So how how do you handle it then within the family unit if you've got young children? My advice with that is, is that more than anything, please, please, please come together stay calm and tell the children in a way that is reassuring to them if you have decided to split. That's the thing. If you decide to split, then you both need to sit the children down and talk about it in a loving and reassuring way. Because if you don't, the parent that is going to leave the family home, those children are possibly going to think it's because of them because my mommy or my daddy would not leave us if they loved us so they don't love us they don't love me and that is hugely detrimental to a child's um, security so if there is no hope of the reconciliation then you please come together calmly don't start having a row and, you know, getting feisty and all of this going on, your children, they need to know that you love them, that although maybe mommy and daddy are not going to live together anymore, nothing's going to change about their love and about seeing them. And reassurance is absolutely key. If, on the other hand, the parents are going to try and work this out between them, then... I strongly recommend they do this behind closed doors without the children being part of it. Because those children do not need to feel any anxiety, an unnecessary anxiety and fear whilst the parents try and come to some sort of resolution. That, of course, is not going to happen overnight. And, you know, in the book, we talk about a reconciliation script, for instance, 
And that is absolutely key if you are going to try and repair your relationship. And the most important thing with that, the number one, is that you have to have absolutely nothing to do with the affair partner ever again from that day forward. Absolutely none at all. And although you might think, well, that might be easy in some ways, Mm -hmm. I have found that it's actually very hard to do that for those that have actually been cheating because of the investment of their emotions into that relationship. Wow. Well, you know what? Actually, I think what I'm going to do, I think I'm, I'm going to take a break. We are talking about a book called Manscript. Okay. So, and I'd like to touch more on that. And that is the script that you have is that they're going to use if they're going to try to do a reconciliation. So you're talking about the the first thing being is having that other person out, but we're going to take a break, but everybody stay with us. Um, We'll be right back. You're listening to answers for the family. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some other things that you can do. If, if the plan is to try to make it work after going through infidelity, we'll be right back. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, Westfield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, Westfield Adolescent Services and Westfield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. We're talking with Julie Keys, and the book is called Manscript, Surviving and Thriving During and After Infidelity. Now, if, if you would like to get more information about what uh, Julie and Jackie, your writing partner, are, are doing, they have a website. It is julesandjackie.com. I'm going to spell it. For those of you driving, don't try to do this. We'll put it on the uh, well, or the uh, Atlas. The, hello. Which hat am I wearing today? We'll put it on the Answers for the Family website. <laughs> so it's julesandjackie.com. It's J-U-L-E-S-A-N-D. J-A-C-Q-U-I dot com. So you can go to the website uh, and get more information as well. Uh, but when we when we took a break, we were talking a little bit about if you try to set up a, a plan where it's almost like doing a new business plan. Okay, we're now going to set the ground rules to try to survive this infidelity. Yeah. Uh, so share with us again, you know, some of the things, you know, or, or a few more things that are that need to be in this plan if you're going to survive this. Okay. Well, what you need to do is you both need to calmly in a an environment that you both feel comfortable in and sit down and decide if you want to work this through. And I would say that both of you should think about the investment that you have made in your relationship to date. So think about all that you've given to that relationship on both sides. And that's very important because it gives you an idea of the strength of the relationship and what's gone into it. So do you just want to throw that all away in the spirit, you know, just because you're so angry, you're so hurt, um, you've met somebody else, all these different dynamics. And But don't forget just what you've given to the relationship on both sides, the investment. And then 
In terms of the reconciliation script, and this is what the person who has had the affair has to do, absolutely, no questions, this is what you've got to do. And just to repeat what I said before, first and foremost, you have to get rid of the affair partner 100% forever. There's no text messages, emails, turning up on the doorstep, going to their line of business. There is none of that. It is over forever. It has to be. Otherwise, there's no start point. Exactly. And you you can't have, oh, we'll just be friends. No, absolutely (laughs) not. You cannot be friends. No way. Then secondly, you have to be prepared for your partner to question you to ask you over and over again certain things about your affair. That can be really difficult to take. But unfortunately, it's part of the healing process for both of you, but particularly for the one who's been cheated on. Now, this I have known to go on far, far, far too long. Years and years ahead, the person who is cheated on is still asking the person who cheated the same questions. It's never let go. There has to be a time scale on this. But to begin with, you have to accept that's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. Also, the person who's had the affair has to expect that they will be asked to prove. Mm-hmm. Prove where you've been. Let me see this. Let me see your phone. Let me check your messages. You know, prove to me this, prove to me that. Earn back the trust. Exactly. To earn back the trust because without the trust, you have no basis of the relationship to build. And that's one of the hardest things. I've known people decide that they can't live with that lack of trust because they know themselves so well of how much that would start to eat them up on a daily basis that they decide to let the person go, even though the one who's had the affair wants wants to reconcile, they go, I can't do it. I can't do it because I can't live with a lack of trust because I know the effect it will have on me and I will become ill. So they let them go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's sometimes the price you pay. If you're going to act out this way and have an affair, you have to be prepared to lose your partner. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a consequence. It's a consequence. I mean, in the beginning of the book, when we do the intro, my actual husband quote for the book uh, in which he said, if he could turn the clock back, he would never he would wish he had never gone that route because he said you have to be prepared to lose the one you love. Mm -hmm. And yet I'll be perfectly honest, Alan, because, you know, I have been there and I want to share with your audience that I didn't knee jerk into saying our relationship was over. You know, we've been married 34 years. It's a long time. And that's why I talk about the investment in a relationship. You know, just don't, you might want to just tell them to go away and never come back. But, you know, let things calm down. Don't knee jerk into a response. But um, unfortunately, one of the things that my husband found difficult to do was the fact that he he actually couldn't let a partner. So she kept coming back. I'm coming back and coming back. And in the end, you just have to say enough's enough. And I would recommend saying enough's enough if somebody's listening to this program right now and saying, well, that's happening to me. I also know there are people out there who accept that. They accept their partner having an affair and that becomes part of their relationship because they're too scared to be without them. Now, There are several reasons for that could be. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's because of the children. Sometimes it's because you are of a dependent type and you prefer to be in a relationship than not. And you prefer to hang on than let go because you can't deal with the letting go. 
Now, if that is you and you're listening to this program, then and you can, I would strongly recommend getting some help for yourself in the fact of why you find it so difficult that you're prepared to accept possibly unacceptable behavior in order to feel what the perception might be is secure. That says a lot more about the person. Yeah. Right. And and what I was saying is, is that, and it sounds like the idea of them getting into some counseling is to find out what is it really doing to you? You know, they, they may have put up a facade, you know, that, that I can get through this, but, you know, is it affecting your health? Is it affecting other parts of your life? And at least get some counseling and find out, you know, how is this affecting you? Um, and yeah. if, if you choose, you know, to to make that your life, at least it is your choice and not something that you felt had no other op- option. Yes, absolutely, Alan. Uh, you know, you would like, we all feel more in control when we feel in control of our choices. Yeah. But sometimes we don't realize that we're not in control of our choices and that we're actually being motivated by something much deeper. And a lot of the time that really is about security and feeling safe. Um, and feeling safe is, you know, we are born here as human beings, aren't we? We're survival. We're always in survival mode. We want to feel safe. So it's almost like we'll do whatever it takes to feel safe, even if that means compromising our self-worth and our mental health. And when you mention, oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm just going to say because, um, you know, we, a lot of what we're talking about is, is trust after betrayal. Yes. And, um, and in your situation or in, uh, in overall, how did you get to a point of trust and, uh, and even for those people that then decide that this isn't going to work, okay, that person still has to now go out and get into another relationship. How do you, they still need to get to a point in which you can trust? You, you know, yes. you, you hear these things, um, you know, where people will say, you know, well, I can't trust anybody now, you know, or whatever. Well, that's horrible to go through your life like that. There has yeah. to be something to where there's at least a mechanism to where you can decide this is what's going to allow me to to find the trust to be able to really open up and be vulnerable with another person after going through this absolutely i mean one of the biggest sabotage you know things that happen to another relationship is if you've been if there's been a lack of trust that you've experienced you take that into another relationship and you become so possessive that you know it ruins it okay so how do you get trust the the most important thing in regaining trust is that you trust yourself. You regain the trust within yourself before you can trust anybody else. You have to trust you. And one of the things we say in the book, how you do this, is by thinking about all the people in your life that actually trust you. Because that will give you some idea of the fact that, you know what, actually, I am a trustworthy person and people trust me for a reason. They trust me because they know that I can trust myself to deal with them in the right way, to be kind to them, to be caring, to appreciate them. So when you start to think about your friends network or your support network, think about it in the way that they think about you. And even, you know, if you've got good friends, ask them, say to them, what, why do you trust me? You know, why do you trust me? And listen to what they've got to say. That will start to build a retrust in you. And then when you go outside and when you meet other people, you will start to think, actually, I can trust myself to have, to have the right thoughts and feelings about this person Mm -hmm. if I see something or hear something that Mm -hmm. gives me that red light which I always say that red light that goes hang on a minute what's going on here then you listen to your feelings you listen to your gut feelings you step away and you analyze the situation and assess it and if you're not sure walk away 
You know, you bring up a good point when you talk about it first trusting yourself. I love that part. Um, one of the things that I had on it is uh, when I was single and dating, the um, if somebody was was incredibly um, uh, nervous about me, in other words, because I have no reason to not be trusted. I'm I'm new to this person, but if 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 they're not trustworthy of me quickly, my question to them, and sometimes it's verbal and sometimes it's just in my own head is, is that, is this coming from the fact that you've been cheated on in the past, so you don't trust the next person you're now dating? Or do you come from a mindset that that's the way you are, and so you think everybody else is? I think both, actually, Alan. I actually think both. I think if you've been the one to to cheat, then you almost think, well, somebody else has that capacity as well. So that's your frame of reference. Mm-hmm. If not, and but someone has left you in the past, and this could be going back to childhood. Right. No, this could be coming back to a parent. If you have been left, then you may grow up feeling that you are always going to be left, in which case you're going to be very reluctant to get into a long-term relationship. And this is why people have commitment issues. So when people get into relationships where trust has been an issue, it takes time and understanding from the person they've got involved with to to maybe accept a few things, which is... The likelihood is you may have to be a little bit more explanatory uh, with this person. You know, maybe when if you're saying I'm going out, I'm just going down the shops, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they say, which shop are you going to? How long are you going to be? When are you coming back? And you could go, whoa, hang on a second. Well, I don't exactly know. But for them, it's a necessity. Now, that is building trust if you're with the right person. Right. Well, we have some um, listener questions. And again, I want to thank the listeners that take the time to send in either through email, instant message. I have some that know me well enough that they text them to me. Uh, But so this one reads, uh, I guess I'm one of those who didn't see the warning signs. My husband of 15 years cheated on me with my best friend for the last six years of our marriage. Busy raising kids and working 60 hours a week, I thought their friendship was more like brother and sister. The worst part is that it is our son who caught them. Three years after our divorce, the betrayal, anger, devastation that our two sons feel has hardened them against him. I have tried to encourage them to love their dad, but they want nothing to do with who they call the great pretender. What are your thoughts and advice to help heal this situation? And this is from Angelina in Washington. Well, hi, Angelina. And thank you so much for sending me that question. And I really, really feel for you. It, and if it's of any help, it's actually something I experienced myself with my son. Um, he is and remains devastated, um, as does my daughter with their father. And I think it's an incredibly difficult situation. And I bet, Angelina, what you feel as a mom is that you want to make it right for them. So you don't want you don't want your sons to go around carrying all this anger and and frustration and and bitterness and resentment. You know how damaging it can be. So you ask me, you know, what can you do for them? Well, first of all. Sometimes you know what it's like when you try to change a young person's mind, they're adamant that they're not definitely not going to change. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be some sort of acceptance from you, Angelina, that maybe this is what your sons need to do in order to get in some ways move on with their life. Although I totally feel that as time goes on, these feelings of bitterness and resentment will start to play out in in various ways and they may start to act out that bitterness and resentment towards others and I, I suspect maybe that's something you fear. So 
several things here. First of all, if you can see that this is in defense of you, not that that's taken on responsibility for the choice that your um, husband made, but that your sons care about you so much. And what your what their father did is unacceptable to them. And I think if you can accept that to them, it is unacceptable, maybe will, it will help you accept their feelings more rather than trying to make it right for them, Angelina, because I don't think you can make it right. They've got to come to it themselves if they're going to change. If they never want to see him again, then that's their choice. And you let you don't say what their ages are, actually, but I think that you have to let them be what they need to be right now because that's their way of coping. Yeah, I, I think that's good advice. And I think what I would add to that is, first of all, Angelina, um, I want to acknowledge you for uh, not jumping on that bandwagon of negativity where you're, you're focusing on the fact that you want your boys to have as much love in their life. And so I just, I really want to compliment you for approaching that. But at the same time, like Julia just said, is you can't make this your responsibility to fix it. Um, and it really comes down to him. He created this situation and, you know, if there's a conversation that you need to have, it might be with him to say, if you want to have a relationship with your boys, you need to be the one to fix this. It mm-hmm. should not be put on on her to, to for her to be her responsibility to fix it. So that's what I would add, I think. Yeah. And, and just one thing, maybe just add Angelina, if the boys decide that they never want to have anything to do with her again, even if he decides to try and make it right. Please know that that is the best decision that the boys could do for themselves because to have their father in their life and to have that resentment and bitterness reignited on a daily basis would be far more damaging to them than actually just letting it go. It really would. And I think you're an amazing mum and my heart goes out to you wanting to make it right. But trust me, you're making it right every day because you love them so much. You really do. Yeah, I agree. Um, Actually, we're we're down to like a minute. So uh, there's another question that I want to get in here. This one says, according to my mom, who is in her 90s, their generation was one where the men were allowed to be promiscuous. Her quote is, Italian women know what is really important, which is keeping the family together. I am in the middle of a divorce right now, and she is lecturing me nonstop to take him back for the sake of the family. I can't stomach the thought of it. Am I crazy? Is there a fix for a marriage like mine when you believe that entitled men like this don't change? I ordered your book as it seems so different from all the rest, but wanted to hear from you directly. Thanks so much, Brenda in Maine. Hi, Brenda. 100% categorically get out of that relationship. I totally understand your mum, but it was a different era. And we have far more respect for ourselves these days. And you've said it, you cannot stomach it. You, You do not want to be in it. In fact, if you did stay in it, it would be far more detrimental to the family if you did, because you would be so unhappy. And that unhappiness filtered through to the family. No, you've got, I know we've got a short time, so I'm just going to say, go, Brenda, get a life. You deserve it. Yes, you're a mum, but you can look after those children and give them all the love and they need. They do not to carry, need to carry your unhappiness by staying with somebody who doesn't deserve you. Julia, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Um, if, if there was one more thing that you would want to share. So I think one of the things is, so for everybody out there, you can get the book at most anywhere where you get books. Um, yeah. And and I, I said your website, is there any other place where they can get in contact with you if somebody's listening and they have another question? Well, um, if you, the, it's Jules and Jackie at gmail.com, Alan, actually it's at gmail.com. Oh. Jules and Jackie at 
gmail.com. Oh, 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 that's your email address. That's it. Yeah. And, and if you, if you do, if you go on there, you can access me and Jackie directly. Okay. And if you would like to ask any questions, then we will answer them. And I would also like to, because I really, really feel for this situation, as a counsellor, I would like to offer 30 minutes totally free if anybody would like to just have a chat with me about their situation, and I'd be more than happy to help them. So please do contact me. And if I can say one last thing, it is never, ever, ever forget that you matter because you do. And thank you for having me. That's perfect. So, but again, so that, so the website is julesandjackie.com, but if you want to email, it is julesandjackie at gmail.com. That's correct. Yes. So again, thank you so much. Um, and, uh, and I'll also put this information on our website. So if anybody's out there and you're driving and you're like, oh, I can't write stuff down. Okay. It'll be on the answers for the family website as well. So again, thank Julie, thank you so much and give our best to Jackie as well. I will. Thanks so much, Alan. All the best to you too. All right. Thanks. Now for everybody out there, so are you feeling abandoned by everyone and everything filled with self-hate and rage at the world? Well, James, uh, our guest next week, uh, turned to drugs and then uh, petty theft to fuel his addictions. Then he found himself in prison, locked up in solitary confinement. He was a man in crisis. So if you want to learn how he arrived at a simple conclusion that forever changed his life, be sure to put on your calendar and tune in next Monday when we'll be joined by uh, James uh, uh, Pupura to discuss his new book, Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. It is a time to evolve. And please visit our archives of past interviews at AnswersForTheFamily.com where you can subscribe through however you listen to our show. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. It helps us reach more people, and it's greatly appreciated. For everybody out there, be good human beings, and be with us again next week on Answers for the Family. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza, right here on LA Talk Radio. 